0: Travel creates bonds like nothing else. Even now, in these times of hardship, our incredible community are reaching out beyond their borders, dreaming, reminiscing, and giving each other hope. I'm David Calderon, and you're listening to Out of Office Unusual Circumstances, powered by Contiki. This podcast is about travel, but it's also about community, solidarity, and supporting mental health. Travel is just a thread that binds us. Travelers are storytellers. Each dream of a new destination, every adventure, is just about writing the next chapter of the story. And yes, we have to accept that we have to put the book down temporarily, but what does a community of travelers do in a world without travel? We continue to tell stories. The past few months have been tough for everyone, but when it comes to the job market, young people around the world might just be struggling the most. A recent report confirmed that under-25s have been hit hardest by the economic fallout, and a third of young people have lost their jobs. But that's not to say all hope is lost. Many hiring experts are suggesting that COVID-19 has presented us with the opportunity to pause and reflect, think about our true passions, and reassess our career paths. Many of us will be looking for new roles, potentially thinking about starting our own business, or even doing a complete career U-turn and starting over. Whatever you're thinking, we're here to help. That's why we're welcoming career insider Pip Jameson, founder of The Dots, a creative networking platform in the UK, and voted a top 100 entrepreneur by the Sunday Times. But first, we welcome Marley Hughes, relationship manager from LinkedIn based in Toronto. Together, they will be sharing their tried and tested advice for starting your own business, their thoughts on the future of work and why diversity and inclusion is more important than ever. Plus, smart tips on how to stand out during this difficult time. Hi, Marley. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. How are you today?
1: I'm doing great, David. Thanks so much for having me. I'm glad to be here.
0: Of course, of course. So where are you calling from?
1: I am sitting in Toronto, right in the locked down downtown core right now. So it's beautiful outside, but unfortunately, I have no outdoor space. So uh, feeling a little bit, uh, bit locked in myself.
0: How strict is the lockdown over there currently?
1: You know, we are starting to open up, but it's, de- you know, we our patios opened up last week, but it's still, you know, it, it's one, it's impossible to find any space on a patio. And two, um, you know, it's definitely still very much social distanced. I think we can only gather in groups of 10 or less right now, but we're on the right path.
0: Well, we like to start the podcast with an icebreaker question that we're asking all of our guests. So for you, what would be one new thing or a new skill that you've learned during this time
1: hmm so when i think about on the on the fun side i think a lot of People during the pandemic, we've heard about the flour outages. You know, I've been I've been jumping on the baking bandwagon. So you know, I've learned um, how to make pies from scratch. You know, including the crust and and uh, you know, doing everything one hundred percent you know homemade. Doing my own crust, doing doing my own filling. And I have to say, if anyone ever makes you a homemade pie, David, that person really, really, really loves you. It takes <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, time. It- and effort. Exactly. It, I didn't realize, but it takes about five hours beginning to end to make a pie from scratch. There's like a lot of a lot of steps that I had no idea going into it. But now I've I've made two and i I'm putting my pie baking to, you know, back in the grave, I guess,
0: after this. How good were your baking skills before? Well, let's say
1: moderate, you know, the the occasional banana bread, brownies and cookies, but nothing as uh, you know, as interesting as we did lemon meringue pie, which is, is very complex to make doing the filling and everything so so that was new for me if you have an aunt or someone who's who makes pies all the time like you really got to hand it to her
0: (laughs) well besides improving your baking skills tell our listeners a little bit more about you marley
1: Sure. So I've been working in the people and culture space for about eight years now. Um, I started my career about, you know, uh, spending about five years focused on the talent acquisition space. So I I used to work for an executive recruiting firm, um, primarily helping to hire, you know, VPs of sales, um, business development. Uh, CROs um, and then help them build out their sales teams, mostly for software companies. Um, I came over to LinkedIn about two years ago um, because I recognized the industry was changing. You know, I, I would be asked by candidates a lot of questions around, you know, What's the day in the life like? What's the culture like working there? Um, And, you know, being a third party, um, you know, outsourced agency, I I really couldn't address that properly for for many people. And, you know, when I recognize that companies need to tell their stories in order to attract talent, and no one can do that better than someone who's lived it and experienced it. And, you know, so I wanted to help businesses empower themselves to to be those storytellers um, through the power and connection of LinkedIn. You know, I'd, I'd had a ton of success using LinkedIn to recruit and get in touch with people, but I thought it'd be so much more powerful if if companies were using the platform, you know, internally themselves to tell those stories.
0: Obviously, with LinkedIn, a lot of young people are currently using that right now because they are really struggling trying to find jobs. And we know especially right now with the pandemic, it's a very hard time. What advice would you have for our listeners who are graduating or starting a new career right now?
1: It's really hard to see. I've got a younger sister who just graduated this year as well and you know she had a job offer ready to go. They uh, was supposed to be full-time. They were delaying and delaying when when she would start um, and ultimately had to come back to her and say hey you know would you be willing to work for minimum wage part-time which was you know not what she had in mind. And it's, it's disappointing. But I think the things that I'd say is be patient, keep trying, don't give up. You know, one of the things my sister has been working on is using LinkedIn. She's reaching out to executives, CEOs at the businesses that she wants to work for. And, you know, just trying to, you know, get her foot in the door, get some conversations going, ask for advice. You know, the reality is, You know, you might not get the job that you had envisioned as your first job out of school, but maybe think about ways that, you know, what are the stepping stones to that job? Like, what's the the precursor to that job you thought you'd be in? And maybe look there ways to upskill yourself and and learn new things during this time. It's certainly tough. Like I, you know, I don't envy anyone graduating through this time. Eventually, everything will open back up and and businesses will need to rehire. The great thing is young people have mastered video technology and mobile. And, you know, they, they will have skills that, you know, some people are going, you know, that have been, in the workforce for a long time may, you know, it may be brand new for them. So, you know, I think telling that story about the skills you have that you may not even think are real skills, they are truly important, you know, things like you might take for granted, like, you know, mastering your, your Instagram account can be really important for the way the world is changing.
0: It's a hard time, we know that for sure. And it's like you just said, it's all about kind of keeping your skills honed, upskilling, seeing how you can... Maybe not get the dream job. It's hard to get the dream job. There will be a shift where everyone is all of a sudden looking for people, whereas right now it's like, it's really hard because so many people are looking for jobs, but there's not that many hiring possibilities. Exactly. One of the other things that's happening right now with this kind of like economic crisis that's kind of global at this moment is a lot of women are facing even a harder time. Now there's this term floating around called she-session, and it's being used to describe the economic burden that women are facing right now. Can you tell us a little bit more about this?
1: Yeah, so I think this kind of stemmed from a New York Times article talking about you know, how women have been hardest hit by COVID-19. You know, when you think about the industries, uh, you know, been, been most impacted economically, we think leisure, hospitality, travel, restaurants, retail, predominantly it's women working in those environments, you know, and, and they were deemed, you know, non-essential. So I think as the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics actually Found that women accounted for 55% of the 20 and a half million jobs lost in April, um, which was kind of the first data points that we had once this started, and and I, I think it's even more now. So the the unemployment rate for women was about 15% versus for men 13%. Now. Both of these are terrible numbers, but there certainly is an argument to be made that women are, you know, are being harder hit by this. And, you know, when you even look a little bit deeper at, you know, women of color and Hispanic women, you know, the unemployment rates are 16 and 16.4 and 20%. So it's we've never seen numbers like this since 1948 to put it in perspective. And those are just the unemployment numbers. We're not even talking about underemployment, you know, with with women taking on more, you know, anyone who's a mom, they are tending to take on more of the household labor too. you know, homeschooling their kids right now to, you know, just general household work. And and the the reality is there's, there's no camps open school school's been, you know, I think school's would have been done by now anyways but but still it's that's months of time that is being taken you know somewhere else so I think governments do have to look at what what the solution for this particular recession is very differently than 2008 because 2008 we didn't see this this slant right and and you know it's it's different industries. so I I don't have the answers for how we look at it differently but I, I think you know if we know and understand what's happening um we can we can make decisions that are well informed, um, and I don't mean to like be a downer here, but the, the the other piece of this she session is the violence against women. You know, we've seen a huge rise. I think in Canada, the CBC reported that you know there's a twenty to thirty percent increase in gender-based violence and domestic abuse across the board once the the stay-at-home measures began. So. You know, we are opening up now, so hopefully that will help, but um but it's it, it you know, it's heartbreaking.
0: It is heartbreaking and it's just something that people I feel don't realize the entire scope of it when they just think about, you know, the economic hardship or the economy. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I mean, underneath the economy is human beings, right? So, you know, it's um we have to recognize that that we're all people trying to do our best here.
0: How do you think LinkedIn right now is helping people Feel more empowered and more connected.
1: Yeah, so we're doing a lot of different things. Um, I think, especially for for Kentiki's audience. Um one of the things I think would be most helpful is we're, we're making a lot of our LinkedIn Learning courses available completely free of charge. So if you do, a, if you go to our blog or run a quick Google search, you'll find, you know, courses about you know how to use video conferencing technology, how to work from home, best practices. Um, you know, with everything going on globally, with you know things like Black Lives Matter, you're also going to find a lot of courses on allyship and unconscious bias. So you know, if someone is really you know trying to you know whether it's learn a new skill or better understand that themselves and what's going on in the world. You know, we are really trying to do our part to provide courses completely free of charge to to anyone who's interested in in those subjects. So that's one thing. And there's a couple other things too. One thing I and I'd I'd recommend anyone who's looking for a job right now, if you go on LinkedIn and you follow you know, the companies that you want to work for. Um, one of the things we launched, and again, completely free was our LinkedIn live event. So similar to like when Instagram, if you're following one of your favorite celebrities on Instagram, and, you know, they go live, you get a notification to your phone, and you can, you know, jump on the bandwagon and, you know, see whatever they're talking about. We've done taken that same technology, but applied it to businesses who are running virtual career fairs or doing Q&As with their, you know, with their recruiting team or their hiring managers. So taking that same concept, but applying it to the world of work.
0: That's such a clever idea, because I'm pretty sure there's lots of people out there who know the company that they want to work for, but maybe are not necessarily sure what role would suit them or where to even like start. So that is such a a good way to get connected.
1: That's the whole purpose that LinkedIn exists as a business. You know, we want to connect people, you know, with with talent and skills that are are looking for that right opportunity with the businesses who are are looking for those skills and looking for those people. So that's that's really the only reason we exist as a company is is to build those connected tissue.
0: Now say you connect with a few of your favorite companies and you see that they've posted a job and you're like this is it. This is my chance. This is my opportunity. What would be your advice on how to pitch for that job that you really want?
1: So I I would say, one, go for it and apply. But... I would highly, highly recommend that you actually reach out to the person who is in charge of hiring for that role. So if you're not sure, a lot of times business, you know, companies will post who the recruiter is and you can reach out directly to them on LinkedIn or you can look and see, okay, what division of this company is? this? Is it a marketing role? Okay, well, let me go look up who is the you know head of marketing for the business or director of marketing or VP of marketing and, and search them up and reach out. If we're talking about, you know, You've seen the job, you've applied. Now you're being asked to come in and interview. What I'd recommend is that, you know, I, I, I don't like the word pitch, I guess, is, is, is uh, what I'd say. is I, I don't recommend that you necessarily pitch yourself. But instead, you know, ask questions and seek to understand, you know, what's going on in the business, you know, what interviewer's experience is working there and what they're looking for in a great hire. You know, the, the more you know about what a hiring manager is looking for, the more you're going to find out, one, is it, is it something you truly want? Two, you can then use that information in your kind of fact finding to show to the interviewer how you meet what they're looking for. And then three, the reality is people like to talk about themselves. And this is more of a psychological thing. If someone's talking about themselves for, you know, 15 minutes, you know, they're going to all of a sudden feel they had a positive experience with you by the end of it. And if there's one book that I'd recommend reading, um, if someone's trying to get prepared for an interview, um, it would be Hiring and Getting Hired by Lou Adler. Um, it's a book that I still go back to anytime I'm interviewing, whether it's internal in LinkedIn or you know, before I, I got this job, I reread it. And, and what's really interesting is it gives a perspective both for from the candidate experience, as well as the the hiring manager or the interviewer's experience. So you kind of get an idea of what they're looking for, as well as best practices on what you should do. So it is a bit of an older book, but I, I think it's still really, really relevant.
0: Now, when you're applying for roles on LinkedIn, one of the first thing the company will see is your own LinkedIn profile what would be your tips for creating the best version of your LinkedIn profile?
1: So I'd say overall, be authentic, you know, show your personality. Don't be afraid to mention something that's silly or fun about you because, you know, ultimately, you know, that makes you human. That makes you interesting. You know, also, you know, this is more tactical, but go ahead and ask for recommendations from the people you've worked with in the past or your professors, because that that adds a sense of credibility to who you are and what you've done. Not that just you're saying you've done things but that there's people who are willing to vouch for you and if you are a new grad that you know doesn't have a lot of work experience you could even ask for recommendations from you know your professors or from people you worked on a group project with the idea of having some sort of voice external to yourself is more important than necessarily who that voice is aside from that there's like tons and tons of things you can google about you know make sure you've got a professional photo you know write an engaging summary um, I, I think the, the last thing I'd leave you with is make sure it's first person. Don't write in the third person. Um, you know, most people re- listening to this podcast, you probably don't have an assistant writing on your behalf, so you don't need to make it sound like you do. I you see that a lot with, the, you know, older generations who where that that's probably the reality of what happened. But even for a CEO who's got 30 years of experience, you know, if, you're, if your profile's written in the third person, it's, it's just not... I don't find it authentic. You know, it's not you speaking.
0: (laughs) It sounds disingenuine.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: So when you get on LinkedIn and you connect with your company and then you've gone in and you filled out your LinkedIn profile because, you know, you want to stand out, you want to be the person that they call for the interview, say you get the interview, what would be your tips then to stand out? And do you have any extra tips if it actually turns out to have to be a virtual interview?
1: In preparing for that interview, I'd spend some significant time thinking about your unique story. You know, what makes you, you? Our brains are wired to remember stories. So people won't necessarily remember every fact and figure or bullet point on a resume, but they will remember an interesting story that was told. So so I think if you can think about what you've done in your life and create a narrative around it, not just what it was, but why and how, who was involved. Interviewers will ask you about, you know, why you're interested in a position and about your background. So make sure you have a really engaging story about what you've experienced in the past and how and why it's brought you to to wanting the job you're now interviewing for. Virtual interviewing, I would say you know, still make sure you're looking professional. Make sure you're in a, an environment where you're not going to have a bunch of interruption. Still approach it as if you were going into their office, right? Make sure you've actually tested the video before you you hop on. Knowing that video is, is going to be critical to daily work. Um, if you can't get that zoom call turned on properly um for the interview it, it could just be a negative experience
0: i think maybe just because i've done a lot of like you know like having to record on my iphone and stuff like that for like video podcasts and whatnot because i've had some friends ask me too they're like oh, i have a virtual interview like what should i do and i was like one i don't know how your desk setup is at your like home workstation my workstation is a little low so whenever I've I have any video interviews or anything like on my laptop or like a Zoom chat, I literally put books underneath there. So it's kind of more leveled because, you know, there is such there are things as such as an unflattering angle. And one of them is, you know, coming from the top looking up. So you want to have that level. You want them to see your face. And I also have a big window behind me, too. And I always make sure to close those blinds because the minute it's sunny, it's like so overexposed. So I basically turn into the like silhouettes. And this is all trial and error. You know, this is me having that bad virtual interview. And you're like, OK, learn that. Learn that. Yeah, it's there's definitely a, a strategy to it. And I think people need to be aware and definitely, you know, dress as if it's in person. One hundred percent. For sure.
1: Yeah, you you probably have the best tips for people with this stuff. I didn't even think about that. But you're so right. You know, the the below to above getting that double chin situation is uh... (laughs) (laughs) I agree.
0: So obviously, COVID has a huge impact on the economy. How has COVID changed things at LinkedIn? So
1: we are completely remote right now, but we have really had to redefine, you know, what success looks like in all of our roles. Um, you know, LinkedIn is known, as we talked about for its like, fun office, free lunches, always something going on. We're a really social company.
0: You're like, I want back now.
1: <laughs> I know, I do. I really do. So we've had to come up with like new ways to try and maintain that culture. I feel like my manager in particular, I have to shout her out, has done a fantastic job adjusting to this. You know, a, a lot has changed but I I do think we're still, you know, trying to be true to who we are as a business and and working through it as best we can.
0: How do you think the post COVID-19 world is going to change our way of working?
1: It's going to be weird, I think. I don't know if handshakes will really be a thing anymore. My job You know, although I was in the office, I was also very often with clients. So at their offices, I don't think that's going to happen as much anymore. I don't know what this means for the for conferences, for example. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more virtual conferences rather than in person for for quite some time. The other thing I have been talking about with a lot of my clients is trying to create agile workforces. So, you know, what we mean by that is. You know, myself, for example, being in a relationship manager role, maybe I also learn the skills of somebody who's doing training and customer success, for example, so that you know, in situations where, you know, organizations have to maybe reshuffle some things. There are already people who are fully trained in multiple positions. So we are seeing trends to to that agility. But I I think remote work is
0: here to stay. One of the things I really liked about LinkedIn is that you guys are huge champions of diversity in the workplace and connecting with diverse talent across the board. How can other employers do better when it comes to diversity and inclusion?
1: So first off I'm gonna say I am no expert on this area but I can share you know some of what we've seen work at LinkedIn um, and I think it starts off with having with, with choosing to make it a priority. I talked about our vision being, you know, to create economic opportunity for every member of the global workforce. And we mean every, not just some, you know, we want to connect people and organizations to lift and shift the world to a society where, you know, people have uh, more opportunity to get to where they want to go, you know, to have that that message start right from our vision that every one of us who works here knows that that's core to what it means to work for LinkedIn i think it's got to be embedded right into right into your vision and your mission statements but i also believe you got to be you got to have leadership that cares about diversity as well like we've got for example um a vp of diversity inclusion and belonging named rosanna Dorothy. i think you actually have to have somebody leading this right it's you can't just put it in a statement and leave it at that or tell people we should do it you you, you know you you got to have someone who that is their responsibility
0: It's an actual role. I agree. It's it's such a vast and all-encompassing position that it actually needs to be a position. It's not just, like you say, it can't just be a statement. We're going to do better and then that's it. It's someone who's constantly on a day-to-day basis is working at this.
1: I agree. And not only you got to do the top up and bottom down as well. So like some of the things that we we do at LinkedIn, as well as we've got employee resource groups and what they are, are safe spaces for, you know, members to come together and talk about the issues that are facing them. So for example, I'm a part of the women at LinkedIn employee resource group where every two weeks we we sit and talk about what's going on in the world and what what can we do as LinkedIn employees to make the experience better for the people who work at our company but also the community and it's sometimes it's running an event where we partner with a women's youth services group where we bring you know young students in to talk about you know different employment opportunities or sometimes it's you know working with a women's shelter to just volunteer you know it doesn't always have to necessarily be about finding a job because that's what LinkedIn does but it's it's about you know defining what we care about and what's what women are facing and and trying to to do better in the world and then we we also have groups we have the Black Inclusion Group. We have the LinkedIn Asian Alliance. We have Out at In. So you know, anyone who's feeling like they need somewhere to to get together and and make change in an area that that's impacting impacting them or an area they care about, we try to create these these areas for them. But there's a lot of things I could talk about on this subject. But if anyone is really serious about diversity programs, I, I would actually recommend anyone in HR. You know, if you wanted to reach out to someone at LinkedIn to talk about you know, what we've done, and, you know, even how some of the solutions that we we have can help create a more diverse workforce, or or at least get your diversity story out there, we'd be more than happy to, to have that conversation.
0: That's really inspiring. And I really like the fact that you guys keep, it's a constant conversation meet up like every two weeks, it's a constant evolving thing. Because Just like in the world, it's a constant evolving thing. I think that's amazing. Thank you so much, Marley, for joining us on the podcast today. You have been amazing and it's been so great learning more about LinkedIn from you.
1: It's been so great uh, working with you too, David. I really appreciate the time.
0: No worries. But before you go, we have one last question. We're going to finish off the podcast by asking you your top three steps to getting your dream job or your dream career.
1: One, network. Two, ask questions. Three, tell your story and a fourth one for good luck. Be bold.
0: Oh, I like that. That's such a good way to end a podcast. Be bold. I'm now going to be welcoming Pip Jamieson, founder of the dots, which is a creative networking platform. Hi there, Pip, and how are you?
2: Oh, I'm really good. Thank you so much for having me.
0: So you are like me and you're based in London. Are you ready to enjoy the glorious day that we're having today?
2: Oh my gosh, it is so stunning. I am so blessed because I live on a boat in King's Cross. And so I've got all the windows open, the water, and it's just, I feel like I'm on holiday, but I'm in central London. It's crazy. (laughs) Do
0: you use the roof of your boat basically kind of like a, just a place to like lay out? Do you have like lawn chairs out there?
2: Yeah, we've actually got like fake grass on the roof. So it's like, our garden it's been a lovely place i've been i've been very blessed to kind of have this as a spot for lockdown It's amazing
0: well we like to start the podcast with an icebreaker question So what has been one new thing or a new skill that you've learned during lockdown?
2: Oh my gosh, okay, new skill I've learned during lockdown. Oh my gosh, this might be really boring, but I've learned that I'm just way more efficient in a remote setting. Um, So yeah, like it's been crazy. My team, we've always been really flexible and we've always worked remote. But uh, yeah, I've just I'm just saving so much time, like commuting, going to meetings, and I've, I've realized you can actually do anything remotely. You know, I was worried about team morale, and actually, it's been it's been actually great. I'm thinking of moving the whole company remote after lockdown.
0: How much time did you usually kind of think you were commuting?
2: I'd say like commuting to work was super easy because I live in Kings Cross and the office is in Shoreditch. So it's about an hour like walk every day, but it was more like going off to meetings. So you'd have like an hour there. And and I was doing like a lot of talks in the evening. So you do a talk and you, you'd head off to the talk. And obviously you have to arrive early and then you have like a bit of drinks beforehand. Then you do the talk and then you stay around for networking. Like, you know, Zoom conferences are the best. Best thing ever. I just tune in. I'm there for 45 minutes and then I'm back to my normal day. And then I'm out. (laughs) I'm out. I'm gone. Um, So yeah, I'm actually really loving it. I I, I have time to cook a meal. I mean, I've never had time to cook a meal before.
0: I think we're going to see a big change in like most businesses because I think this has forced a lot of businesses to have to work remotely.
2: Yeah. And you know what? I've actually found that it's it's been really um, morale boosting for the team in a weird way. So we introduced this thing called buddy systems, where every week someone has a buddy in the company and that means you basically catch up with them for lunch or coffee during the week and just check in that they're OK. And what's been lovely is like, I guess, even deeper relationships have formed because you're having one to one. Like a lot of time in the office, it's like team lunches or, you know, it's all that kind of bigger groups and people have just become like each team team member have just become so close to other people and it's it's kind of nice in a way
0: oh i like that well, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, Pip.
2: So I founded a platform called The Dart Switch. I guess people describe as a professional network for people that don't wear suits to work in the fact that we look after what we like to call no collar professionals. So yeah, I guess my, my journey started is, um, I'm actually very, very, very dyslexic. Um, and the reason I always mention this on, on things like this is I'm, I, I tend to muddle words sometimes. So apologies if I mispronounce a word, but I actually hear it slightly differently. But yeah, I I started really struggling. I mean, I you know, I was about 7 when I started falling behind in school and struggled throughout school, but then sort of recognized that my, my, I guess my dyslexia is a bit of a a superpower, you know, lots of just fun fact, 35% of um, entrepreneurs are dyslexic and 40% of self-made millionaires. So everyone from Anita Broderick to Joe Malone to Holly Tucker. And I guess I was always kind of entrepreneurial, except being an entrepreneur or a startup founder wasn't really a thing when I was younger. So I actually studied maths and economics at university, but, uh, and then after university, I joined the government. Uh, I was, uh, the reason I joined government is I always wanted to kind of make the world a better place. A kind of key trait is mine. Of if I see problems, I just want to design solutions. It's how my brain is wired. Uh, but yeah, I was in government for about a year. I realized it was way too bureaucratic and slow moving for me. Um, and then from government, I joined the creative industry. So I was working for the Brit Awards uh, and then for MTV in various roles around the world.
0: And before you started The Dots, you also started The Loop back in Sydney, yes?
2: Yes. So this is my second business. So I founded, it's kind of like a baby sister version of The Dots in Australia. And so we grew that to being the biggest professional networking um, site for the creative industries over there. And then I sold that business around five years ago. And then I started The Dots here in london so yeah this is kind of my god this has been my career for a long time now
0: i also saw that you were named one of the top 50 women in technology one of the top most inspiring women in technology
2: <laughs> yeah i mean i will say there aren't many of us so it's i'm not gonna but yeah no it's it's amazing i mean it's it's tough right because there, there aren't there aren't many women in tech i mean just to put it into context like i'm a f- sole female tech founder i mean we're we're rarer than teeth the, the Uh, when it comes to investment, for example, only 9% of funding, uh, angel funding, which is the first kind of level of funding you go through goes to female founders, that's only 9%. Um, But when you get to my level, it's 2.3. So yeah, I mean, there aren't many of us, it's changing really fast, which is really exciting. But um, yeah, I just want to show that if I can do it, anyone can do it. You know, tech isn't isn't shouldn't and can't be a just a kind of a homogenous group of people creating ideas. If we want to build solutions for everyone we need founders and teams that reflect society not just just a homogenous group
0: now i can see why people see you as very inspiring because you made that leap from that nine-to-five job to building your own business what would you say are the first steps to doing your own thing or going freelance or starting a side hustle
2: i guess what the advice i'd give to people is one like what's that idea that's in your head that just doesn't go away and the second thing is just do it like I I mean you know it's funny how many times over the years I've met someone going oh I had the idea for the dots and I'm like well I kind of built it you know so you can have the idea of it unless you execute it you know I think it was Thomas Edison who said you know um you know successful is one percent inspiration and 99 percent perspiration. How can the dots help people feel more empowered and connected? So yeah I mean we're a professional network so I guess we help connect dots. I think everything that I'm I'm passionate about is just doing it in a way that's more suited to a modern workforce. So for example, on the dots, we um, instead of a CV, which is kind of that traditional old school way of promoting yourself, the way people promote themselves is they post projects and then credit the full team around those projects. And then from that, we then help connect people to other people that they have in common based on team working relationships. So um, and our community, I guess what they use is for is upskilling so we do um, we basically have an event section on the dots which is all about upskilling and learning but with real world people like real world interaction not just watching a youtube video which is easy for you to find yourself um but i guess the beating heart of the dots is our ask forum which is where the community help each other with ideas or things to get off the ground so you know people do collaborator call outs like i've got this startup idea and i need someone to help me with this or it's actually much more kind of we're getting a lot of heartbreaking asks going up at the moment like i've just been made redundant how do i cope with this emotion um, we've got a lot of Black Lives Matter call-outs going for support of different uh, Black Lives Matter petitions or um, projects that the community is doing. But I got really frustrated with existing social media sites, which were all just about, like, hang out on my newsfeed and give a load of likes. And you're, suddenly you spent an hour and a half and you've had absolutely no value to your career whatsoever, apart from you felt a little better because you got a like. With the dots, it's the opposite. Everything I'm trying to create is basically that people actually can get ideas off the ground, get the help and support they need, and democratizing it to everyone, not just because you've got a really good network already.
0: What would your advice be on how to pitch for a job that you really want?
2: I think from, to be honest, from an application process, I think, and it's heart-wrenching, but it is a numbers game. And so what I think breaks my heart sometimes is someone will find that dream job and then just obsess about that one application. And actually the chances are you know, that that there's probably about a hundred other people going for that job. So I think it's really good to practice before you go for that dream job. And I'd, I'd say like hedge your bets apply for a load of things, even if they're slightly tangential, slight just so that you start getting the interview practice and you start getting a practice of what is good and bad about your CV. Um, something we've got on the dots is you can, our community is so lovely at giving feedback on CVs and portfolios. So you can do posts and say, you know, can you give me really honest criticism? And I think it's really important to get, even before you start applying for stuff, get really honest feedback from people on what is good and bad about your CV. And I think, you know, when you do find those roles, find the things that that company is really passionate and interested about. And I think it's really important to celebrate your difference as well. Like the best, most forward thinking companies I know right now are looking for diverse talent they're looking for talent that think differently and have had different backgrounds so be really like try not to be like everyone else be yourself because then you'll find that role that really fits you I would say right now it is a very tough market you know we've seen a significant drop in the amount of jobs that are available and especially freelance jobs like freelance jobs have gone massively down. But there is light at the end of the tunnel. The trend we're seeing is there's been a huge uplift in remote jobs that's happening, which I love because now that there's more remote jobs, you can have the opportunity to work for a company in New York, for example, because they're open to remote opportunities and you could be based in the UK. So that's really exciting. So there's lots more remote jobs. And there's also tech is thriving. Like the tech industry is obviously going through the roof right now, as we are all moving more virtual. So there's so many like you don't have to be a technologist to work in tech. There's so many roles for anyone in tech, but that's where the real opportunities are. So I wouldn't fixate on a certain industry. Lots of people are like, I've always wanted to work in fashion. Well, think a bit more lattery and go, well, how about I work at Depop? Or how about I work at Netopodo? Or how about I work at Farfetch? Because there's more opportunities in those tech platforms than there are in the kind of, I guess, the the fashion industry right now.
0: What would be your key interview tips to stand out, especially now that a lot of people are doing virtual interviews?
2: I think firstly, obviously do your research gosh it sounds crazy but like I think it's it's just about being genuine um and not feeling too rehearsed and so it can be really hard when you're doing an interview to relax it can especially if it's a job you really really want so smiling is like a massively underestimated skill in interviews I mean anytime you feel nervous in an interview just smile and the reason being is it tricks your brain into relaxing but it also tricks your brain into being happy. And you have to remember when you're interviewing, then they've already vetted you for your skill. What they're looking for is someone that is going to work well within the organization. They're looking for positive people who aren't political and that is not going to cause problems. So a smile just goes so far. Um, so definitely smile. And I think actually it's the follow up that's the most important thing. So the ones, the candidates that really stand out are the ones that straight after the interview follow up, not just with the person that interviewed them, but the other people in the meeting, for example. And if you, you know, if you do get nervous and you do muddle something up, just say, listen, I'm sorry, I'm just a bit nervous. I should have answered it this way. And I think that's actually just an amazing indication to an employer that you recognize when you did something wrong and that you're happy to admit it and you're happy to kind of give a better answer. And I I think those kind of cues are what employers look for in someone. Are they a team player? Are they willing to learn? Will they, um, will they recognize when they make mistakes and want to, improve on those mistakes.
0: Yeah, and it also shows that you're extraordinarily self-aware, which is good because some people don't have that. Literally, some people don't have that.
2: <laughs> and, and that's hard, right? It's hard to train someone who isn't self-aware. So, um...
0: With everything that's going on with COVID, how has COVID-19 changed things in the creative industries?
2: Well, I think, I mean, you know, we look after creative industries, but also it expands beyond that as well. But I, you know, the, I think the challenge is it's going to be very tough for juniors, is the honest truth. Um, what we are seeing is, I mean, we got very early indications of what was happening because about, we've got half a million members, but 41% are freelancers. And so they were the ones that were first hit, even pre-lockdown, and then we saw waves of following and redundancies. I think the reality is right now is that the entire industry is is really struggling. And, you know, tech is thriving, which is great. And as I said, definitely think laterally. But juniors, it's going to be particularly, particularly tough for us. I think what we we are going to see a year or a couple of years of a tough ride for juniors.
0: Now, why do you think it's important right now that even though People are finding themselves in a harder situation with COVID. Why do you think it's important to take this time to pause, to reflect, and maybe reassess your career?
2: This is the time that you can reassess, actually, is this actually what I want to do? This is the time where you could retrain. This is the time you could start your own business. This is the time you can collaborate.
0: Now, given the, obviously, in the situation, you know, it's going to, like you mentioned, it's going to be hard for, like, junior people, or just in general, like, the entire people looking for work right now, it's going to be much harder than it was before COVID, what would be your tips to help yourself stand out and look more appealing for the people that are hiring and for the jobs that are available right now?
2: Yeah, I mean, the flip side of what's going on is, yes, it's much harder. But the other side is that so many seniors want to give back right now. It's amazing. I've never seen anything like this. And so it actually getting to senior leaders at certain companies is so much easier than it ever was before because they're recognizing this is a tough time. So I think it's literally just about putting yourself out there now. And you know, you can get meetings so so quickly these days. And so just sort of trying to flip it on its head and go, okay, so I want to stand out. I want to work at this company or I want to do this. Just just reach out to people. And as I said, like, you know, when people aren't are there's so many senior leaders that ask questions on the dots, just answer those questions and actually engage with them. And that's kind of to how to stand out. I think the other really interesting thing and this has been a trend we saw pre-coronavirus but has definitely accelerated in coronavirus. We do these speed recruitment events and the way it works is you have like 10 like, recruiters in the room and they speed interview people for a role. And whenever I asked them, like, which candidate really stood out, the ones they always mentioned were the people that were working on pro-social projects that were passion projects for them. It was almost like they'd seen 30 people. Everyone starts, I guess, merging into one. But the one that was creating an app to help refugees on the side as a side hustle, that was the one that stuck in their mind. And I think what we're finding is that a lot of industry leaders, there is so much going wrong in the world right now. They want to... They want to try and work out solutions for those problems and they want to work with people that care about things like this. And so, yeah, my advice to stand out is if you're passionate about any problem in the world right now, whether it's the environment, whether it's Black Lives Matter, whether it's whatever you're passionate about, start working on projects and collaborating on those projects because when it comes to looking at your CV or your portfolio, that will be the one that sticks in someone's mind over other things.
0: What advice would you give to people to help them stay motivated and to realize their own self-worth?
2: I think it's really tough at this time because there's an expectation that you should, you know, be doing everything all the time. You know, you should be going to all these like Zoom conferences and you should be upskilling and you should be doing this and that. And I think, I think first and foremost, you've got to look after yourself during this time. You know, there is a lot of people that have had, uh a uh, uh, dealing with furlough what does furlough mean to me or redundancies and i think first of all it's really important to check in with yourself um and check your own mental health um and get that energy back and when it comes to motivation it's a it, it, it's a really kind of personal journey but it's all about you know what do you want to achieve and then what are the steps that you need to do to to kind of get there. If you're feeling unmotivated, that's when you lean on your kind of network and that's when you lean on other people. And, you know, whether that's in a work sense, you know, reaching out to people you work with um, or whether that's kind of like on a community like The Dots. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough, but I think the first thing is mental health because the problem is, is if your mental health isn't good right now, it's gonna be almost impossible to motivate yourself. So look after yourself first and then get into it. Um, And in the end, we're humans, we love human interaction. So I guess that's why communities like The Dots are so important, but also like, you know, podcasts like this where you're listening to people and, you know, don't just live alone right now go to virtual events um there's so many beautiful virtual meetups right now you know keep building those relationships
0: yeah whether virtual or physically in person like it's very much important to stay connected yeah
2: oh it's so important i know you feel really passionately
0: about diversity in the workplace and connecting with diverse talent why is diversity so important in creative industries
2: oh god it's i mean it's just facts uh it's better for creativity it's better for innovation it's better for profitability i mean diversity isn't just important in creative industries it's important in every single industry for all of the reasons i just mentioned and diversity for me it's um it's it's about building teams that reflect society in all its intersectionality i mean my experiences as a dyslexic female tech founder is very different from a female black founder for example and we've if we're going to build products and solutions, solutions for everyone. We have to have teams that reflect everyone. It's crazy. So, you know, I mean, an example of that is um, when seatbelts were first invented, they were invented by a homogenous team. And so while women were less likely to have road accidents, they were more likely to die in those accidents because of the way the seatbelts were designed and they basically crushed our elbow. And I mean, that's a very extreme example. But the problem is, if we have homogenous teams working on things, we're just we're we're biasing those solutions for ourselves. And And you're
0: cutting off a market already.
2: Massive cut off a market. But it's just it's that's why profitability and diversity is so interlinked. And, you know, it's each of our differences that bring that magic to a table. Like, um, There's actually this wonderful piece of research where they got two groups of students. One group was completely homogenous and one group was completely diverse. And they got them to solve a problem. And what they did after, after they solved the problem, they interviewed them and said, "You know, how do you think you did? Now the homogenous team, they thought they nailed it. They were brilliant. They, like, they were all agreeing. They came up with the solution really quickly. It was great. Funnily enough, the diverse team actually thought they did really badly because there was quite a lot of challenging each other, there was quite a lot of internal conflict before they got to the solution. Um, But the reality is, is when they judge those two projects, obviously the diverse team's solution was far superior to the homogenous team. So the reality is diversity can be messy, but it is amazing because that's where we challenge each other and challenge the status quo to come up with unique and different solutions for things. And it's crazy that we're squandering all this amazing talent, which is proven to be better for creativity, innovation, profitability. Because we've created such an unequal world. So everything I'm trying to do with the dots is to democratise the the industry and open up opportunities and let cream always rise to the top. So things we do, for example, is educational background doesn't filter into our algorithms. So it's led to a really lovely lovely kind of diverse and inclusive um, community. So 68% of our community are female, 31% BAME, 16% LGBT, and we do a lot of work around socioeconomic movement, um, disabilities and neurodiversity as well. Sorry, that was a very long-winded answer to your question. (laughs) (laughs) That's
0: amazing though. (laughs) What are the key trends that you're predicting for the future of work?
2: Oh, so yeah, I mean, Remote, flexible working, working from anywhere—that's kind of just completely and 100% here to stay. Um, Decentralized teams. So I think a, what is breaking down is that hierarchical structure within businesses. You know, the boss and the middle management and the lower teams, and you know, the companies that we see really innovating well and doing well, which actually comes a lot of times of the tech companies are very collaborative, and that it empowers everyone in the organization to work on things and have ideas and that traditional the boss tells you to do this. And within that is like the changes to like KPIs are so outdated. It's like really a boss telling you what to do. I mean, the people on the ground are the people that know what best to do for certain things. So huge shift towards like ob- objectives as opposed to kind of KPIs. So we're starting to to see all that and diversity like any company that isn't building diverse teams now they're going to really suffer in the new world to be honest we're seeing it in the advertising industry they have just neglected it so much for so long that whole industry is just just dying and the reason it's dying is because they still do things the same way they've always done and they haven't evolved with the times and so yeah, I mean, it's got to be inclusion, fluidity, diversity, collaboration is the future.
0: Well, oh, thank you so much, Pip, for joining us on the podcast today. It's been wonderful having you here.
2: Oh, bless you. No, it's been really fun. Thank you for having me on this boiling day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but before you go, we have one last question. What would be your top three steps to getting your dream job slash career?
2: Okay, top one is really take time to think about what you want to do and the values that you have like that's that's kind of the first step um and i guess linked to that step you can learn anything so don't worry don't let that be an obstacle like think about what you do like you can you can honestly honestly do anything um, the next step is once you kind of worked out where you want to do, then you've got to get yourself out there. And I guess the th- the third thing is, is perseverance right now. I probably wouldn't have said that like pre-COVID. You know, before COVID, we were pretty much at the lowest level, well, we were at the lowest unemployment levels it's gonna take a while. You've really, you know, that, and that's not a reflection on you. That's literally just a reflection of the market. So don't let it go to heart if someone doesn't get back to you after an application. Don't let it go, keep, keep applying, keep engaging because it is a hard market. It's not a reflection of your skills and just keep at it and give yourself a break and just go, you know, this isn't about me. This is just the market. And to keep yourself, you know, just collaborate, to get your kind of, you know, your flex your working collaborative muscles um, while you're looking for those roles. But perseverance, i unsadly um, sadly, is going to be the key, um, I think, in the new world at the moment.
0: Fantastic and very motivating tips, Pip. Thank you so much. Ah, oh,
2: bless you. No, really, fun. Great.
0: <laughs> no worries. You have a good one. Thank you so much. See ya. Bye. That's it for today's episode and this bonus season of Out of Office, powered by Kentiki. Thank you so much for joining us during these unusual circumstances. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on our next season. Take care, and we will see you then. Bye.